The song says that do not wait until some deed of greatness you may do. Do not wait to shed your light afar. To the many duties ever near you now be true. Brighten the corner where you are. Here for all your talent you may surely find a need. Here for all your talent you may surely find a need. Here reflects the bright and morning star. Even from your humble hand the bread of life may feed. Brighten the corner where you are. Do not wait until some deed of greatness you may do. Do not wait to shed your light apart. To the many duties ever around you, now be true. Brighten the corner where you are. Do not wait until some deed of greatness you may do. Do not wait to shed your light afar. To the many duties ever near you now be true. Brighten the corner where. Here for all your talent you may surely find a need. Here reflect the bright and morning star. Even from your humble hand the bread of life may feed bright in the corner where you are. Bright in the corner where you are. Right in the corner where you are. Someone far from harbor, you may guide across the bar. Right in the corner where. Right in the corner where you are. Right in the corner where you are. Someone far from harbor, you may guide across the bar, right in the corner where you are. Brethren, we have been made to understand that every aspect of our work, every activity we engage in is part of our work. It's not only the one that we do to earn a living. Every bit of our activities in this life is work. God instituted work in the garden. And that work, or for that matter, hard work, is not as a result of curse. Hello? And so when you read the scripture that says that it is the blessing of the Lord that maketh rich without an adding of toil, don't misunderstand it to mean that you are not supposed to work hard. In Genesis chapter 1 and verse 28 and Genesis chapter 2 and verse 15, you would find those references there. The Bible says that God placed the man in the garden to tend it and to subdue it. And this was before the fall. And so work is instituted by God to ensure that we produce results. It is not a result of the curse. Every aspect of our daily activities matters as work and not only those we do to earn a living. 
the mundane stuff that we do like sweeping, dusting, cleaning the cobwebs and all that, these are all part of work to tender the facilities that God in his wisdom has placed around us. Hallelujah. Taking care of children also counts. Mm, because the qualities you pass to the children has a way of determining who they would become. And it will also be a platform upon which the light that God will give through his word will have effect in their hearts or not. Because children will watch you as you are teaching them. You are directing them. They will watch what you are doing to determine whether they should follow you or not. Everything must be done as working for God. We work not for money alone, but for God. Hallelujah. With a view to progress. There is a phrase that has been put together by theologians and uh, people who lived within the time of the, if you like, the church history days, a phrase called Koram Deo, and it is based on Hebrews 4 and verse 13. That says that all things are naked before the one with whom we have to do. In other words, everything under the sun, everything in creation is fully open to God, to whom we have to give account. And the Bible says that everyone will give account of everything he has done in his body. That is what scripture says. And so Koram Deo simply means that we exist in the presence of God. Everything we are doing is laid bare before the presence of God. Hallelujah. I just want us to anchor in on the idea of our vocation as the work and worship. Our vocation as the work and worship. Hallelujah. Just a simple mathematical reference. Maybe assuming that you are going to work effectively for about a third of maybe eight hours a day for up to the year you are 65 and you retire. If you do a simple mathematical reference, it is assumed that you would be working about 100,000 hours of your life. 100,000 hours of your life will be spent in your work, as I indicated, vocation. The question is, if this is how much of investment you are making, what are you going to get out of it? And this is done in the area of preachers, teachers, nurses, carpenters, lawyers, architects, drivers, singers, plumbers, masons, doctors, and engineers. All of these, if that is your chosen vocation, then by simple reference, you are going to spend about 100,000 hours by the time you retire. How are you investing this? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, when you read the scriptures according to Jeremiah 1 and verse 5, the Bible says clearly, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I appointed you to be a prophet. That is for Jeremiah. By similitude, we can say that, just as David said, that the intricate parts of ourselves were formed by God, who knew exactly what he was doing, said that each one is an individual specifically chosen and made for a particular purpose. And so God in his wisdom has formed our inner parts, created us in the totality of our temperaments, our personality with a purpose to appoint us to something. And when you read Romans 12 and verse 1, he says that therefore, I offer your bodies as living sacrifice. This is your true and proper worship. Your body, which is the personality that you have, and that is your only asset. Because if you come out of your body, what becomes of you? Oh, you are finished. You are either going to heaven or wherever you are going. And so your body is the vehicle by which you administer whatever gifting God has put inside of you. And the scripture says that offer this body. 
as a living sacrifice. A sacrifice is something that is offered and you don't get it back. Hello? And so if we have an understanding that there is somebody who wove the inner parts of our being, placed a personality and gave us talents and capacities and abilities that we didn't choose. And he's asking that we offer this as a sacrifice to him. How do we offer it? By identifying the specific relevant parts we are supposed to play. And playing them well in every aspect of our lives. When you read what Jesus said in John chapter 5 from verse 17 through 19. Now there was something he did that Pharisees questioned him. He healed on the Sabbath at the Sea of Bethesda. And then they were asking, why are you healing on the Sabbath? And he says that my father is always working. But what I see my father do, that I do. Therefore, there is an expectation that God is always working. And men are his tools for these works. So Jesus sees God working. And what he sees God doing, he does. The Bible says that he was given a body. A body was prepared for Jesus. For what? To manifest God's doings in the course of life. So he became an incarnate being. So that that which was in the mind of God, which was lost to man, could be brought to us. In the same way, God who has formed us and placed in us certain qualities and capacities has an expectation that these things will be deployed to accomplish that which he wants to accomplish. Now let's go through these kinds of work that God is doing continuously. There is something we call revelatory work. God's work to enlighten men with truth. This revelatory work, he does them through preachers, through scientists, educators, journalists, scholars, writers, and the many more. Now let's pause here and think about it. If it has not been the work of scientists who devoted themselves to the study of the things about natural and physical science, where would I get this thing from? To be speaking and those recording for you to hear wherever you are in the world. It is science. There are certain hidden truths about life that we will not be able to fully grasp unless certain specific people giving qualities are able to devote themselves to the qualities that have been given to them to decipher the meanings behind these things. I like using the reference of Isaac Newton. I always say that I strongly believe that that apple that he sat under, that the apple fell, that he began to wonder which led to the determination of the law of gravity. Many people had sat under the apple tree. The apple fell, they took the apple, ate, and then left. He wasn't the only person that sat there. But he was given a particular gifting, which he needed to identify with, which was the reason why he inquired to find why this apple, after tearing, didn't go up, but came down. And out of devotion to that study, we know of the law of gravity. So everyone must understand that God's revelatory work is continuing. And through educators, journalists, scholars, and writers, these things are continuing. Now, God's compassionate work is also continuing. And it is continuing through the area of comforting, guidance, shepherding, and healing. And this we find in the work of doctors, paramedics, even herbalists. And I mean proper herbalists, not the ones who have poured oil on some stone and are saying all kinds of things. Listen, those of us who really align with our village roots, we know there are some herbalists who are proper herbalists. They are gifted by God to understand the language of leaves and know which leaves are used for what healing. They are God's handiwork for the compassionate work of healing. Pharmacists, they align themselves to work 
so that God's hand will bring healing to us. Compassionate work. Our Father's work is through nurses, doctors, paramedics, therapists, social workers, pharmacists. Listen, social workers, and I want to use this word, social workers. How many women or even men or children have not been traumatized by the situations of life that they need a person properly trained in how the brain works so that they can give them counsel to give them peace? Those who don't have that opportunity, where, where do they find themselves? They hang themselves and they are dead and left this world. And so when you find yourself in the position of a social worker, understand this, your work it's part of God's compassionate work to bring healing, comfort, and counseling to those around you. Hallelujah. I picked a quote from a young man called Keith Walton, and this is what he says. He says, there are no meaningless moments when life is contemplated in the light of the glory of God. There are no meaningless moments when life is contemplated in the light of the glory of God. So let everyone that has any vocation understand that the vocation you are carrying on is part of God's continuous work. God is always working. He needs men and he uses men. In the area of justice, we are talking about judges, lawyers, paralegals, administrative and law enforcement agencies of government. They are the hands employed by God for this. For if there were no judges to administer justice, what it means is that if you take something and I believe that probably I can beat you up and collect it. Yes, I'll take it off you. Or if you have something that I want and there is no other way of collecting it because you are refusing to give it and I am stronger than you, I beat you up and I take it. You go out, you come back to your house and somebody else with his family are staying in your house. And because he is stronger, you cannot put him out. Now, justice demands that everyone must have the due recognition of the things they have earned and enjoy it. And so when a person is operating as a judge, a lawyer, or anyone involved in the legal uh, institution, understand this. You are working the justice of God to ensure that chaos does not overtake the world within which we live. Therefore, you cannot twist justice. And for lawyers, let me use this. You cannot influence the outcome of justice when you are motivated wrongly. If you don't see it as what Keith Walton is saying, there are no meaningless moments when life is contemplated in the light of the glory of God. How can you glorify God when you are twisting the functions that you have been put in to perform? Now there is also the creative work of God. And this he performs through the artists, designers, architects, planners, etc. They are used by God to demonstrate the magnificence of creativity which he has placed in man. For man. Hallelujah. When somebody paints a picture, well, not those maybe the Van Goghs and the Michelangelo's of old, because at times even some of us who attempt to call ourselves art students, we look at the paintings and we actually don't know what those things stand for, even though they sell for tens of millions of pounds and dollars. But I'm talking about a picture that is painted of a beach. That is so crisp in quality that you can literally live in the picture because you can actually see if he is trying to paint you, he puts the portrait there and it's a thing of beauty. Hallelujah. You are able to enjoy it. Architects are at the hands of God to properly design houses so that they don't fall on your head when you live in them. And this is the beauty of it. Even from time immemorial, 
when people were not properly even trained in the crafts of architecture, they built houses. Look at the magnificence of pyramids. They were built by human beings. From the outside, they looked like just a collection of blocks. But if you look at some of the schematic designs that go into these things, and they happened thousands of years ago, you're asking yourself, what was it that made it possible? The answer is found in the scriptures. The Bible says that when God was building the tabernacle, he told Moses that there is somebody in whom he has given the skill of all craftsmanship. So it is God working through his power to make these things happen. The providential functions of God, that is acting through man for the sustenance of creation and man. He uses bureaucrats and other individuals involved in policy making and daily activities to conserve sustain and replenish the various resources required for existence. And so if you find people involved in conservation, don't disregard the work they are doing. That, oh, it doesn't really matter. It matters. They are God's hands for providential functions, which you may not place any value on. But to God, it is very important. The most exciting is about God's redemptive work. God's redemptive work is done through us who have received Christ, and especially those who work the vocation of preachers, evangelists, pastors, counselors, peacemakers, and even writers. Because most of us, our faith in the Lord has been so grounded by the writings of men of old. If they chose to die without writing the things they wrote, perhaps maybe the quality of our understanding of the things of God might have been weaker. So all these are part of God's tools. Therefore, Mr. Writer, Madam Writer, if there is a word of God inside your heart that is yet to come out for men to read and understand proper, don't hold back because your writing is not for you. It is God's redemptive work being created through your hands such that men would be able to live and live well. Hallelujah. So there is something we call the work cycle. If we are talking about vocation, this is my own coin. If you try to find it somewhere, you won't find it. The work cycle, through the vocation that we are employed in, you are either an employer, you are either an entrepreneur, an employee, or a philanthropist. These four key branches I have put together, I have termed the work cycle. And why am I calling them the work cycle? I'm looking at them in relation to what Jesus said in Matthew 5 and verse 16. He says that, in the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. The result of the light shining is the heart of man motivated to give praise to God. And so if you are a worker by way of an employer, because you are the boss of the place and you are the one that decides on recruitment, or you are the owner of the business that chooses who you are employing or who you are not employing, how are you showing the light? If you are an employee, how are you delivering your work? If you are an entrepreneur, how are you investing the resources of money God has placed in your hands? And if you are a philanthropist, what is the motivation behind your philanthropic activity? Is it for popularity or it is aimed at ensuring that glory will go back to God? Let your light so shine before men that they will see your good work and give glory to your Father in heaven. Hallelujah. In letting our light shine, we all know the usual moral and ethical things about the Christian work. Integrity, honesty, and all that. But I just want to anchor on one thing, the content and quality of the work you do. Not about the morality. We want to take it for granted that we have heard enough about it. But what is the content and quality of the work you're doing? And so if you are a social worker, have you studied the case properly 
Somebody's life is dependent on the file you are carrying. Have you taken pains to understand the real issues? Remember, you are God's tool to bring the peace of mind to the situation that you are confronted with. Madam Scientist, the case that has been brought to you to investigate, have you thoroughly used all the apparatus, or should I say, the considerations that are needed to ensure that you come out with a proper finding? Remember, you are God's tool to make this happen. Mr. Preacher, when you are given an opportunity to preach, are you spending time to understand what God wants to say so that you don't come to speak human knowledge, but you speak life that men will benefit thereof? Remember, you are God's tool in everything you have chosen a vocation to do. Mr. Lawyer, as you are defending the criminal, are you armed with the gospel, understanding that if indeed, within the parameters of the law, though he is guilty, there are certain mitigating circumstances that will be afforded to him, are you doing all you have to do to make sure that those mitigating circumstances are available to him? Or because somebody told you that the act that was done was done against somebody that is related to you, that is a member of the church, and therefore you must take a stand that supports Christians. Hey, who told you that? Listen, the sovereignty of God, without the agency of human counsel, determining the quality of persons all of us are. Hello? The sovereignty of God, without the intervention of human counsel, Determine the personalities that we are here. And so that I'm a lawyer doesn't make me better than the one who is a sweeper. Because perhaps if they had found themselves in a situation different from what they did, they could have done better. But as they sweep, they must sweep with diligence. They must be careful to do it completely as somebody who is preventing diseases. Hello? The content and quality of our work is extremely important. That is what determines the results of our work. The content and quality. To this extent, this whole idea that the end justifies the means doesn't work here. The end and the means are all part of the process. One is not more superior to the other. All of it is important. So how is God being glorified? And thus, there's something we must understand. The grace of God is a multiplier that causes the Christian to achieve something more than the rest of the world cannot. But the grace of God does not do. It invigorates and enriches. The action must be taken by man. So, a scientific experiment will not be completed by prayer. <clears throat> Let me say it again. That your client will win their case is not dependent on prayer. By all means, pray. But there are certain parameters required for proper and diligent exercise of a lawyer's business that you must do. And you must engage hard work for that to be done. Hallelujah. You must engage hard work for that to be done. I have just picked a few characters who have demonstrated these kinds of things in our lives. Michael Faraday was a believer, and he was a scientist. He had very little formal education, but he taught himself by taking part in certain seminars and apprenticeships. And by that, he contributed greatly to the study and discovery of electromagnetism in electrochemistry. He invented the rubber balloon, an electric generator. He was a believer. This is what he said. He says, I bow before him who is Lord of all, and the great and precious promises whereby his people are made partakers of the divine nature. Now, the reason why he said this is, he discovered the extent to which God, through scientific exposition by men, revealed certain things about nature that without study, it was impossible for any man to find. Michael Faraday. Most of us have heard of John Davison Rockefeller. Rockefeller was the founder of Standard Oil, one of the big oil companies 
within his time. He lived from 1839 to 1937. And he founded universities and a foundation that still exists to support world development. In fact, in monetary terms, he is considered the richest man of all times. They are saying that in today's terms, his wealth is in the extent of about $440 billion. This was a believer. He was a business magnate and a philanthropist. He is considered the richest person. He was a devout Christian who read his Bible daily and spent time to take part twice a week in prayer meetings. In spite of all the wealth and the demands of his business, he found time to serve the Lord. And this is what he said concerning our life. He says, good leadership consists of showing average people how to do the work of superior people. Good leadership consists of showing average people how to do the work of superior people. This is John Davidson Rockefeller's statement. There is one of these that excites me. The last one is Robert Gilmore Letourneur. All the earth-moving equipment that we find around us, the caterpillars and the whatnots, they were invented by this man who spent time with God in prayer that God gave him visions of earth-moving equipment. And he invented them. He was devoted to hard work. He says, you will never know what you can accomplish until you say a great big yes to the Lord. These were his statements. You will never know what you can accomplish until you say a great big yes to the Lord. Brethren, there are those who have accomplished things in their time. There is a way we can show God that we are grateful. Through the things that we do, let every man understand every vocation you find yourself in. It is part of God's continuing work. What we see God do, we do. For in us is placed the quality to do which was allotted to us. So let us not shy away from the opportunities to serve. You certainly cannot be a Rockefeller and may not be a Letourneur or even a Michael Faraday. But certainly your work matters because in the broad spectrum of God's continuing work, there is a place that you can find yourself. In Matthew 25, reading from verse 13, 14 through 30, Jesus talked about the talents. And so may I stand here and on the message of God encourage you that work your talent because you may never know how it is contributing to God's goodness. Let our work show that we believe in God. Hallelujah.